Guts and Grit Podcast. A podcast where we discuss overcoming the odds, resiliency, and never giving up. Join us each week as host John Melson, Joy Vatrebeck, and Mark Renahan discuss coming back from failure and never quitting. Guts and Grit, it's go time. Welcome to the Guts and Grit podcast. I am your host, Mark Renahan. This is episode seven. Of course, to my left is my co-host, the lovely Joey Vatrebeck. Thank you, Mark. And coming in over Zoom is, of course, Sergeant Melson coming from Fort Benning. I thought I write this week, not Fort Bragg. I guess I keep making. <laughs> we have uh, yet another special guest. Last week, we had Rashid. He was formerly an Afghan translator who is now serving in the U.S. Army. We congratulated him on getting mm -hmm. his... Officer, Excellent. Um, if get, becoming a commission as an officer, mm -hmm. excuse me, I'm losing it. But Johnny, we, we got somebody else today that's just as interesting. And I thought maybe you could introduce us to him. I don't, don't want to forget Noah, the engineer, who is, is always with us. But uh, Johnny, why don't you introduce today's guest? Okay, well, Mark, today's guest, uh, Noah Jamil. Uh, I came across him uh, in my last unit that I served with. Uh, what, a, what a privilege and an honor to get to work with a guy like this, the background and his story. Um, he, as a young child, he grew up in, in Iraq. Uh, his family go ahead, uh, went ahead and, and moved over here to the United States. And I got to meet him as, as a young man, as he is now. Uh, like I said, he served in my unit I was deployed with. And um, continuing on with a great military career in, in the special operations community, utilizing what, uh, what attributes he has, being able to be familiar with, with uh, the Middle East and uh, – He's over here serving our country, and he's a great American. And uh, as you can see on the screen, that's that's Noah right there. That's Jamil. So, <laughs> well, hi, Jamil. Thank you, Jamil. Welcome, Noah, and welcome to the Guts and Grit podcast. Thank you for joining us, sir. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it. This is a great opportunity. Like I said, I've, I've never done anything like this before. Um, you know, and of course, you know, you know, John is a great friend and, and a great mentor and a great you know um, NCO as well. And, and I, I love I love the man so. I appreciate everybody. Appreciate everybody. Simon, John, thank you very much for inviting me over here. Oh, well, we, we love them too, Noah. We love them too. So, <laughs> Noah, we love to, uh, to jump right in at the Guts and Grit show and get to our guests. And so maybe you could just start at the beginning and tell us and our listeners what it was like growing up in Iraq. Yeah, uh, well, my story begins. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in, uh, in Iraq, Baghdad. Um, you know, as a young kid at the time, I was, you know, uh, living under Saddam's regime. Um, you know, I went to school, um, you know, and that, that's kind of when I started learning English, as we talked about earlier. Um, and, it, you know, it was um, it, it was an interesting time living in Iraq, you know, because, you know, you, you like I went through so many different, um, you know, um, regimes and wars and stuff like that. And, and, you know, and it's just like you're you're mentally going through so many things at so many different times. Um, you know, like, again, as, as a young kid, I, you know, lived semi-normal life, you know what I mean? You really didn't talk much about it. You really couldn't, you, you really couldn't say much. I mean, you pretty much live where you're told, and you, I mean, and you live how you're told to live in a way. Um, but again, just a normal kid, you know, went to school, whatever. Um, really, really didn't, um, like, I, I didn't really like, you know, talk a lot like in school about Saddam and everything, stuff like that. Like I said, nobody talks about it. You just kind of like, you just kind of go with the flow. But I guess really the most interesting time for me uh, was again 2003. You know what I mean? Like you know, mm -hmm. it, and you know the war started and everything. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I remember 
the first time, you know, seeing Bradley's, you know, in, in the streets of my neighborhood that I was like, you know, and I was kind of shell-shocked, you know, like, wow, what is this? It's crazy. You know what I mean? Like, um, but, you know, if you grow up, growing up, growing up in Iraq, you know, just, just about everybody in Iraq served in the military at some point. So I had a lot of family members that was, you know, on, on the other side of the war, just, just finding, you know, but to me though, I look at it like, it was just like two, um, just, just two armies fighting each other, whatever, you know, and kind of life moves on. Um, and then, you know, you know, after that, you know, after 2003, and then all the new changes start happening, um, you know, like in your regime and your government. And um, to me, that's kind of like where everything really started, you know, kind of like uh, I started seeing like the horrors of a lot of things. You know what I mean? You know, um, really, like, because in 2003, it was two conventional armies fighting each other. right? But after that, it became people fighting people. It wasn't really two big armies at the time. And I remember... I think one of the first things that I encountered as a kid, and I, and I will never, like, I remember this so vividly, I will never forget it. Uh, I was outside my grandparents' house, and uh, and there was like a, you know, some Iraqi local guy just in a car, and um, parked his car, just like sitting in his car, and then another car pulls, like, pulls right next to him, and they just shoot him. They start shooting at him. Um, and I was just like sitting there, and I, and I kind of froze. I really didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Again, I was like very young at that time. And, um, and I mean, I'd seen the bullets go throughout the windows and that guy just like sat there and, and I was like, man, this is, this is crazy. This is like, this really just happened right from, and the car just took off and that's it. Um, and I think that was in like 2004, if I'm not mistaken, like not shortly, like after, you know, like immediately after 2000, like early 2004, I remember, I remember it was kind of still cold at the time. And, um, and that's kind of like when reality kind of like, you know, sets in for me, like, okay, so this is, this is what the new, this is what the new normal is going to be. Um, and I'm like, you know, and it's funny because, well, funny, it's really not funny, but, um, nobody came and picked that guy up, you know what I mean? Not until, because everybody was scared to come in. So I, so, um, I'm a Sunni Muslim, just kind of, you know, just kind of give a little bit of background. So I live in the Sunni area, right? So, so, and a lot of the people, you know, they were scared to come pick that guy up. Because, you know, that, you know, because uh, like a lot of the new formed army wasn't really comfortable, you know, I mean, to come in and just like kind of pick their bodies or what, you know, people just got killed. And um, and that, that guy just sat in the car for um, for for pretty much half of the day until finally somebody came, you know, came up and just picked them up. And and, and that's kind of like what it all started for me. Like that was the first thing that I encountered in me. Like that was the first thing that I saw. And, and, and that was that that was a that's a moment in the day that I will just never forget. Um, and then moving on after that, um, you know, um, you know, yeah, that's when my dad actually started working as an interpreter in Iraq in 2004. Um, and, the, you know, not only that was a very dangerous time for any, mm. any local to work with the, you know, the coalition forces of the U.S. forces, you know, but it wasn't just my dad, you know, it was, but it was also my, um, it was also my cousin. And that's when um, we had the next kind of, you know, thing that actually hit us home. At that point, it wasn't just it wasn't just watching people get killed or whatever. And now it was it came to us. So my cousin actually was the first one to get shot in mm -hmm. our city, um, you know, and because he was he was also an interpreter. Um, he uh, luckily for him, he uh, you know, like he got he got shot in the thigh. So he didn't die, he got transported to the hospital. And so and again, that that, that was a very like life changing event in our family, you know, and everything. And um um, you know, I, I think my dad took a break after that from working there because, you know, again, he got scared, whatever, and rightfully so. Um, but then my cousin continued to, you know, to work as an interpreter. 
And just honestly, man, like, I mean, there's a lot of things that I can just tell you, but just chaos just continued to happen. I mean, anything from I'm seeing people get blown up, um, you know, like it became the norm, right? So people get blown up. I've seen a lot of, you know, just whether it's Iraqi National Guard or American forces, you know, just get hit all the time. And you just see like bodies and this and this and that, you know, and as as a kid, it's a lot Mm -hmm. to kind of take in. also, you know, one of the things that also kind of resonates in my memory that I will also never forget is um, I remember I was walking with my mother from our house we, and, you know, we were walking towards my grandparents' house and, and I saw a convoy of Humvees, American soldiers, and the lead Humvee and the TC at the time, you know, it's, you know, looked at me and he waved at me and smiled and I waved back at him and smiled and, you know, and I was like, that was, I thought that was really cool. And, you know, and there goes the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the convoy just goes in the city and, and I say like, Maybe like five, 10 minutes later, and it is just here and see a big explosion in the distance. And it was the lead Humvee that where that guy just waved at me. And uh and 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 I still remember this. And I'm like, man, I, I always wonder like what happened to that guy. You know I mean, and, and to this day, I still like I, I talk about it, like, man, I wonder if that guy made it. You know I mean, I wonder if that guy, I wonder what happened to that guy. So that's the that's the kind of stuff you kind of like, you know, you you know, I went through as a kid and it continued, it just never stopped. This is just like a fraction, because honestly, like if I tell you everything that I've encountered, I mean, we'd be sitting here for hours. <laughs> uh, so there's just like fraction of things that you encounter. Um, but, you know, again, so this is you know, things that I saw. And then um, another uh, fast forward, just, you know, a couple of years, you know, until 2005, 2006. Um, and that's when the, uh, the, the, the sectarian war in between the Sunnis and the Shias happened. Um, the Al-Qaeda, everybody, I'm sure, John, you know, the Al-Qaeda blew up a mosque that belonged to Shias and they blamed it on somebody else just so they can start a sectarian war. And so that's really that 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 was the next major event, which is because at that point, a Sunni cannot cross to it to a Shias territory and vice versa. Um, you know, because and a lot of problems came with that. So we couldn't travel anywhere. Right. And, you know, because you were scared because if you if you get caught because they they pretty much they saw it was killing a baseline ID. So, they, you know, they stop you with like net like the random checkpoints, right? And like military checkpoints. They stop you. Um, you want to see if they look at your ID or whatever your name is, whether it's a Sunni name or a shell, like, you know, name, you're going to die, whoever, depending on where you were. They will just kill you right there on the side of the road and just throw your body and they move on. It's, you know, it's like it's like whatever. Um, so, you know, that, so that lasted for a very long time. And honestly, in my opinion, I think it's still kind of, I mean, it's not as, as bad as it was, but it's, it, it kind of like it left a really bad stain on the Iraqi people and, and, and you know, just kind of continued for a long time. Uh, so that's when we had the, the, the next, you know, um, um, you know, um, tragedy in the family, um, which, uh, like, like I said, everybody was scared to travel and every, you know, and it started affecting your neighbors. Cause you know, at, at the time we lived, you know, amongst everybody, she has said, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, because we have a lot of Christians, you know, neighbors, like, I mean, you know, but that, that, that wasn't a thing anymore, right. Either sitting near a she and that's it. And, you know, unfortunately I got to witness one of our older neighbors um, that got, you know, that, that lived in our city for a very long time. They came in one night uh, and they, as in, as in Al Qaeda, because unfortunately, we lived among those people too, you know what I mean? And that's just the way it was. Um, so you were just like, you know, on your P's and Q's all the time, just watching everything, just to make sure like you don't do the wrong thing. Um, and for, you know, they came in, knocked on their door, like, hey, man, you got, you got 24 hours to leave this house. If we come back, you all guys going to get killed, right? Yeah. Um, and we were, and and I think, I think the people did leave the house, 
And there's that one time uh, we were, you know, in Iraq, we sleep on the top of the roofs in the summertime because it's hot. So yep. we kind of put mattresses on the roof and we sleep. And um, and uh, the next night, uh, somebody just like, kicked their front door in and just walked in and they just started, started looting the house. And uh, and my we were all sleeping in the roof at the time because they were like they were like our house were not right next to each other. And my uncle, my uncle was so devastated. He's like, nobody gets up, nobody go look. This is this is not a good thing to watch. Just just let it just let it be. I mean, we can't do anything about it. And it's yeah, we we I don't want you to look at this kind of stuff. Again, and so on and so forth. Stories like they just honest never ends. I mean, again, like you know, it, it you were scared to even live in your own city because I mean, hell, there's I mean, the problem is. I think what I think what like drew a lot of young kids to, you know, to 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 be part of like insurgencies or extremist groups because you know the lack of social services at the time, right? Because you have no no schools and there wasn't really like any 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 jobs and nothing. So people resulted to go to Al Qaeda and stuff like that. Uh, I mean, we're talking about like 14, 13, 15 year old kids. I mean, you give somebody you know that age a pistol and in mm-hmm. a in a place that has no law and order, and you give him like. I don't know, maybe like $50 equivalent at the time until, you know, and they feel on top of the world. So that created a lot of issues and families as well. Um, Jamil, not to interrupt you, but how old were you at that point, that time, 2005? I was like, what? Not, I mean, I'm 28 years old now, so I'm, uh, math is not my best suit. So <laughs> Mine neither, so I'm not going to even try. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're probably uh, like 11 nine, maybe 12 10, yeah, yeah maybe, maybe, around there. yeah something like that Be- before you keep going on and i don't mean to interrupt you too but i i have a million questions and i i have one for you um yes. so first i want to just stop and say thank you so much for sharing mm-hmm. all this I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure bringing back some of these memories is not the most pleasant but john and i always like to discuss that sometimes talking about stuff helps a little bit but my question is this so first your english is unbelievable it's we discussed great. this offline and you started early but when you were a kid um, for people that are watching, and uh, like a lot of listeners don't know much about Iraq at all. I mean, they know mm-hmm. it from what the movies they see, the news headlines, and they just basically think war when they see yeah. it. But when you were a kid, was there, did you have any normal, when I say normalcy, did you have, you know, buddies and you played soccer or stuff like that, like all kids across the world do? Yeah, so 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 before I answer this question, is are you asking about pre-2003 or post-2003? Pre, pre-2003, pre-2003. Okay. Uh, man, I mean, it should be told, I, I had a normal life as a kid, you know what I mean, pre-2003. You know what I mean? I went to school. Um, you know, my family, like, you know, were like normal working people, and, and I had a lot of friends. Uh, I, I, uh, I enjoyed basketball more than soccer, to be honest, even though soccer, like, is the biggest thing in the Middle East. But it uh, <laughs> really wasn't my thing. I also, um, you know, and I liked boxing as well. That was also a thing that I enjoyed a lot. Um, so, yeah, I had a normal life, you know, because I remember, my, you know, my, my parents would take me to, the kindergarten and of course elementary later on and you know i had a lot of friends you know just like in normal school hours and i was really good i was like a straight a student i was a really good student um you know and, and, john and i were also <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can tell by your english work. yeah yeah so i so i, I had i had, a, I had a normal life as a kid you know i mean like i said it, things didn't really uh be changed for me and become like wow what is it what is happening um not until 2003 and even at the beginning of 2003 I didn't really see a lot of the war because everything at the beginning was happening out on the outside of the city and, until everything came into the city, which is Baghdad, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because like I said, I had a lot of uncles and everything that were in the army, Repu- Republican Guard, whatever officers. So, I mean, I, I I know about the war from their stories and from them, you know, about everything that happened. Uh, but I, I, I guess as 
the war started getting closer to the city, that's when I started seeing, okay, planes in the air, rockets, missiles. Um, and actually one of the, one of, well, it to me was kind of cool at the time. It was that, say, I think, I think it was a Tomahawk missile, the one they fly low and they just kind of go right above buildings. And I, I saw that with my own eyes, just flying above a building, going so like, and I was like, I looked at it like, wow, that's crazy. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and, and I was like, that's, that's you know, awesome. Uh, yeah. As a young kid, if you saw a tomahawk, I'm sure any young kid would be like, "Oh, look at that thing!" I remember, like it was like a it was a it was a big black missile, and it's like just flying over the house. You know, like wow, this is crazy. And that's at the time when he started actually speaking of it. That was the first time that I saw insurgents from Jordan and Syria in in Baghdad. <laughs> that was the very first time because I didn't see uh, any um, um, any like at the, at, when the war came into the city, there wasn't any regular army anymore. I didn't see any of those. All those guys were on the outskirts, but then you start seeing, you know, insurgents from other countries, you know, fighting and whatnot. So, yeah, uh, so that's when things started to change for me. Everything before that, I was a normal kid, you know, had a normal life, you know what I mean? Just go, go to carnivals, go to pools, go to, to the river, um, you know, just go where, you know, like, you know, uh, the city that I lived in had a big mosque over there. And right outside there, there was like, you know, all the grilled food and the restaurants and the kebab. So, again, you know what I mean? So I, I had a normal life and we did all these things, and, you know, and uh, – so, yeah, and things didn't really change for me up until, you know, that, you know, when the war actually came into the city. So. Okay. okay. Hey, so, so Noah and Mark, let me, and Joy, I can share this with you, but Mark will know exactly what I'm going to say. So, when it, I was, Noah, I was in Iraq 05, 06. Yeah. And where you're talking about, where Noah's mentioning, uh, you guys, where the different sex in the, not sex, but sex. I know right? what you're talking about. I know where you're going with to. this, John, but go ahead. Right, so it was Shia Muslim, a Shia in, um, SUNY, there, there was like the old school Boston. There was segregation, and to cross over, Mark, it, it was that was a huge no no. And uh, you mentioned how Al Qaeda started getting a, a bigger footprint in Baghdad during my time there. 0506, we had a big problem with uh, the Mahdi militia. Yep, yep. Right. So the Mahdi caused a lot of problems, mm -hmm. and it, it ended up being who they were aligned with. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of the pilgrimage, the pilgrims would try and go down to Saudi Arabia. And they would get attacked on the on the trek. And we ended up dealing with a lot of that where I was. I was just southwest, probably about 60, 65 miles southwest of Baghdad. I was in Iskandaria, the big power okay. plant. Yep, yep. So I was there at Iskand and Musaib. Um, but what what I wanted to uh, reiterate to Mark and get him to envision, when he's talking about the, the food cooking out on the street and, and it's, the shops are busy, Mark, picture Lansdowne Street. On the backside of uh, the Green Monster, Lansdowne Street, and all the sausage shops are out there, and everything's out there for the, the Sox game. That's what, like, driving in some sections of downtown Baghdad were. It was, it was hustling. People were out making money. The, the, the population was out. And as well as the further you went up closer to Baghdad into the city, it was more westernized. I'm not going to say, like, it, it was more modernized. That's what I'll say. It was more Did you two say that Iraq. Iraq is way more modernized than Afghanistan? Yes. Yes. In the built up city area, definitely. Yes. But even uh, uh, Jamil will confirm as you move further away from the city, it becomes a more rough of a lifestyle. My, my studies, John, in international um, relations, I understand that Iraq actually was more modernized previous to Saddam, maybe in the 70s. Is that correct? Yes. Um, no. Okay. Yeah, correct. So so actually, I'm gonna take you back to the 50s. So my, um, you know, during like when Iraq was not a republic for a little bit, it was it was a kingdom. So my grandfather, actually, on my dad's side, was a chancellor for Turkey 
and he worked for the king of Iraq at the time. Really? Um, so, so a lot of what I know about Iraq, you know, the 70s and all the way back to the 50s, um, it was very modernized. And, um, and a lot of, even a lot of Westerners came into Iraq, you know, like in the 70s and whatnot, up to, you know, of course, not until the, the uh, 1980 war started. But prior to that, there were a lot of people that come in Iraq. Um, and uh, Iraq was, Iraq was, is in a good spot at the time. But, you know, a lot of people say ever since they overthrew the king at the time and they, you know, and, and, they, and then one coup after another and the Iraq just kind of kept going like, you know, in a snowball effect and it just kept rolling and it just kind of like, you know, uh, it got really bad after that. But yes, the 70s and the 50s, and from the 50s all the way to the 70s, Iraq was in a, in a pretty good position. Mm. So no, to, to go back to, to you now, we're around 2009. Um, when did you uh, first come to the U.S.? And was it, I'm, I'm assuming you came um, and stayed for good. Like you haven't been back and forth, obviously, correct? Correct, yes. I, uh, so when my dad was worked as an interpreter up in 2000, up until 2011, you know, there was an SIV program, uh, was, you know, for interpreters. I think it, I think it became a thing in 2008, which if you, I think if you work for X amount of years, uh, for the U S army or the Marines, whatever the case might be, you will be eligible to apply for the, for the special immigration visa program. Um, and, and that's what, that's what, that's what we did. That's what my dad did. Um, and that's how pretty much everybody else, my cousin, and pretty much everybody else in the family that that worked as an interpreter at some point in time, they, they all came to the U.S. that way. Uh, so we applied for that, and um, and but that's a long waiting process. I mean, and 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 you might not even get approved. So you know, so that's we applied for it, um, and then fast forward, you know, a couple of years later, I think they uh, they approved it and said, hey, and then like a couple of months later, at that point, we were just waiting on a plane to get ticketed. You know, they, you know, by, by the government, the government is in the U.S. government, and then they, they, they would fly us over to the States. Um, that's, that's how it's, and that was, that happened in 2012, is that was the, that's when I stepped foot in the United States. Wow. Okay. How old were you then, Jamil? I was 18. 18. I was, okay. yeah, I was 18 at that point. Where is the first place in the U.S. you arrived to? I was actually in New York. Oh. <laughs> so what was your impression when you first saw the Big Apple? I was, uh, I was, I was, uh. I think wow is an understatement to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I was because I mean it was one of those moments of like I wanted I wanted to go and touch and see and look at everything, right? And I'm like this is this is amazing. Like wow, there's like a you know it, it, you know and of course coming from Iraq didn't have all all the things that we have in the U.S. now. So to me, I started with the little things. The little things were like that wowed me a lot. For example, it was a freaking coffee shop like inside the airport you know what i mean like that was like that was like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know what i mean like i was like i'm gonna go get some coffee because this is so cool you know what i mean and it was like, it was inside the airport like it wasn't it was like that was like that was the first island so um i was honestly like just like um i, I was wowed lots of, i i didn't even know where to start at that point what to look I'm like, this is amazing i just kept staring at everything at that point well just just before we go any further I love New York. John, enjoy all of New York. But we do want to make sure you're aware that the New York Yankees is an evil organization, an enemy <laughs> you know? of all that is good and well in the world. So when you get here, all America is good except for the Yankees. You should never, ever get too close to them. Can't be trusted as a baseball team. So, anyway. So, 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 so I've heard. So I've heard. Yeah, exactly. Now, let me ask you another question, Jamil. When did you, uh, excuse me, no, I know his last name is Jamil, and that's what John calls him. But when did you first meet uh, Sergeant Melson? And what, and what was your first impression, or when did you first see him? I'd like to hear that one. I'm sure I, uh, everyone else would too. 
we met in, in, in Fort Bliss, Texas in 2018. That's when I, so, so, cause I, so, cause I volunteered for that deployment that John was on, you know what I mean? Cause I wanted to deploy like that. Like, you know, so like I wanted to deploy that cause I like, I like deployments. Um, and that's, uh, I, I think, I don't know who, I don't remember. Somebody introduced me to, to, to John at the time. Like, this is John, you know, first time Nelson and everything. And, and, uh, and, <laughs> Uh, is is this is this PG on on okay. you, you can try to keep it PG but yeah so you can use a bleep maybe or expletive yeah, it would be great maybe like man that's like, like that's a big motherfucker like, that's a big <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah well like we always I always tell people uh, John is what you want your soldier to look like he's he's, 100%, he's 100%. when you when you if you are if you're if Hollywood is watching and you're looking for an actor to play a, a, a commando John's the guy you want to hire. <laughs> That's when I first met him, and I think uh, it was because there was like a, I think it was like an air assault school that was supposed to happen in Fort Bliss. I don't even know if it happened actually or not, but there was and 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 I think somebody recommended that I go, and and, and I think John was leading that at the time, and and that's that was that's how I first met John. I think John, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, but I think you, I mean, you knew like right, like who I was, you know, and you knew, you knew like a little bit of me. So I think we talked a little bit of Arabic, whatever Arabic you know a little bit. We we we, we you, you did talk to me in some Arabic in here and there. Uh, and, and, and of course at that time, John became a lot more cooler to me. Like, well, Hey, this guy even knows my language. This is awesome. Uh, but, and ever since then, my, like, uh, ever since then, my love for John just, just kept growing and growing because and the more I saw of John and like me, you know, and, you know, is I, I always looked up for John and I continue to look up for him, um, you know, to him, excuse me, you know, cause he's, again, he's a, such a, uh, a great mentor and a soldier. And he, I mean, man, again, he just motivates the heck out of you, even if you don't, if you, even if you're not motivated. So um, love John to death. Excellent. Now, Johnny, so, what? Go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. Well, I was going to say, so no, uh, for our listeners, you met John because you joined the Army after you came to the States? Yes, correct. I joined the Army in 2016. Okay. So you came to the United States from Iraq. You witnessed, you know, war and all that and one of the first things you decided to do is to serve our country upon getting here awesome. so that was my ultimate goal you know i gotta say i've, I've jumped from one jobs to jobs plenty of jobs here and there you know coming into the, the states as you know starting fresh you, you had a working you know permit didn't really have anything at the time i mean the best you can do is like a you can get is like a factory for eight dollars you know what i mean or seven seven fifty whatever that's what i did for a little bit you know i slowly improved but i knew what i wanted to be when even when I was little, see, so but I knew that good things come with time and it needs a lot of patience. Um, and so I continued to work, you know, these little jobs here and there, moved up a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, long story short, I, I blended a job actually in real estate, you know, and I was a manager for a while and, and I was, you know, it was a good job and I loved it. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, I'm, I'm doing good, but then I just wasn't really happy. You know what I mean? I just wasn't happy. And, and even though like, again, I, they paid for an apartment that, you know what I mean? Like the company paid for it. Like, it was a good job and I was, you know, making decent money, everything for, but I just wasn't happy because I'm like, man, I still need to fulfill my dream to jump out of airplanes. And that's really what <laughs> I, you know, what I, yeah. And that's what I was thinking about. And I was like, so, you know, I started having problems with the job, whatever. And I'm like, you know what, maybe this is my calling to quit this job. And I said, well, join the army. Mm. And, and I quit my job and, uh, and I went to the recruiter's office the next day. And, uh, and I said, hey, I want to join the Army, and I want to go jump out of airplanes. And again, at the time, I had no idea. I had nothing. I knew nothing about the Army. I knew, like, I didn't know, like, all the jobs the Army has. Nothing. I just wanted to join in and just jump out of airplanes and whatnot. <laughs> so I go in, and, um, you know, and it's, okay, well, you need, uh, you know, this, this, and that. The only education that I had is high school from Iraq because I moved after that. 
Uh, well, okay, so I, I gave him that, and the next, and then the, you know, come back later, and he said the recruiter said, "Man, uh, they're not going to recognize this diploma that you have, so you can't join unless you go get your GED." And they, that, he's like, "That is the only way that you can get into the army." And I said, "Okay, fine, I'll I'll come back in a month." And and I didn't stop there. I literally to went in uh, at a month, maybe less than a month. I just went into to the nearest community college, and I said, "I want to test out." the GED, you know, test. I didn't even study. I just went and took the test. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I went in and I and I passed the test and I got my GED and I went back to the crew. I was like, here you go. And he was like, man, that was quick. I was like, I told you, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be back in a month or less. Um, so, you know, I went back and, and, and there, in, you know, and again, even then I still had some issues like, man, we can't get you an airborne slide. Like, nope, I am, I will not join the military unless I, I have it on my contract that I will be going to airborne school. You know, finally after, you know, pulling, you know, you know, some strings here and there, I, I got that, you know, and, and I, you know, I finally went into uh, joining the army in 2016 and yeah, it's, it's and, and it's been, the, the army has been the best thing that happened to me uh, since I've moved here. 100%. Honestly, if not in my whole, in my life, I mean, the army has been good to me. Um, you know, the army has been good. Um, and, and I just love it. You know, all the opportunities, the, pe the people that I've met, the people that you meet in the military sometimes, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, again, every job has, you know, comes with problems, but man, like sometimes, you know, I just forget about it because all the good things that come from, again, I met John in the military, right? I mean, just, that's just, that's just one of the people that I met. Yeah, well, that's not always a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, for some people, and maybe not John, but to me, I'm glad I met you. <laughs> um, you know, so the army has been good to me. It's been the best thing that happened and, and I just love it. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's really, and, you know, fast forward six years later, here I am still in the army. So, and two deployments in and, 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 and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Noah, have you ever met a fellow Iraqi who was serving in the U S army? Uh, actually I did, uh, very recently in Africa. It was a Navy guy, uh, that came down from Germany, um, to do some logistic stuff, whatnot. And, and, I'm, and I was, and it's funny, so, you, know, I, you know, I was at the jock and he just walked in and I'm just looking at this guy, looking at his last name and his last name is Jabouri. That's an Arab, that's an Iraqi name. And I'm like, but this guy is looking Hispanic or is he Iraqi? I don't know. Like, I don't understand. Like, um, so like, oh, like, like I, there's no way he's Iraqi. I mean, what, I mean, what is he doing here anyway? So like, no. And then we talking like, hey, we're like, so like, what do you do here? Like, I, told, I told him, you know, some of the jobs that I do, like, well, yeah, I also translate things and whatnot. And they're like, translate, like, what, what language do you speak? I said, I speak Arabic. They said, Arabic? And I, he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, well, I speak Arabic too. And he started talking. They're like, where are you from? They're like, I'm from Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was, uh, I think he was from Northern Iraq, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think he was. But um, yeah, that was, I think, the only Iraqi that I've met in my, you know, so far in my military career. Great guy. Really, he was a really nice guy. But uh, I, uh, I, I made the joke to him one day and I said, Cause I asked him like, Hey man, so what, you know, when did you move to the state? Man, I've been in the state since the seventies. I was like, Oh, so you're the privileged Iraqi. The one that got to leave before all the stuff started happening. Uh, but anyway, great guy. But yeah, that was the only Iraqi. I've mean, met a lot of other Arabs uh, in the military. Also like I met the guy from Lebanon, a great guy as well. But Iraqi is really um, just not as often, you know, as, as I, you know, as I thought I would, but. Oh, yeah. Noah, do you um, ever had any desire to be an interpreter, or have you done any interpreting for the U.S. military? So, uh, so I've done it on both deployments, my okay. last deployment and this one. Because on my last deployment, we went to Syria for a little bit and then Kuwait and all that. So, so it's kind of one of those things that 
you don't really, it's not, it's not one of those like you, Hey, do you want to do this? You're going to do this kind of thing. You, you know, especially we're like, <laughs> and this is, this is not a bragging moment, but this is, but especially when, you, when you're the only one in the unit that, that has that capability, you're going to, you're going to get to, you know, you're going to get voluntold to go you know, <laughs> translate and do some things, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so it, it's really not a choice and I love it. Don't get me wrong. This is not, this is not me complaining. I love, I love it. I love that I have the ability to enhance, um, you know, the, the unit's capability or, you know, or the team, whatever. I love, I love to see that. And, and, and I'm all for it. And, and um, I mean, John, and John knows as well. I mean, I, I I'm, this is, I love to be able to have the ability to, to give that capability, enhance the team uh, to make it more successful. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have no problem with it at all. Whether, whether it's a, it's a direct position or an, or, or an indirect, I'm still going to do it anyway. You still get to jump out of airplanes? Uh, I do. I, I haven't in a minute because I, like I said, I was on a deployment and it just, and I just got back. Uh, hopefully sometime this fall, uh, you know, we'll be back jumping again because uh, it's been a while and I, and I, and I sure do love jumping. Well, we, we're actually located here in Florida in a yeah. place called Sebastian, and we, we they have a very huge mm -hmm. skydive facility. It's one of the greatest in the country. The people come from all over the world. So you're always welcome to come down. We'll take you. I'm not going, but uh, <laughs> John, John, I don't jump out of planes. Gravity, it's boom, I, I down fly, I go. I fly planes, not jump out of planes. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I do crocodiles. I don't do jumping out of planes. That's, John, do you jump out of planes? Not currently, but... I was airborne, yes. Okay. Wow. So airborne ranger and sapper, correct? Yes. Is there anything else you're missing? I mean, <laughs> I a lot yeah, missing. exactly. <laughs> Mother of God. Anyway, so uh, I just want to say, um, Noah, it, it's amazing that, you know, you come over here. And again, I, I want to thank you so much for you immediately serve our country mm -hmm. as when you first get here. You know, I, I know a lot of people don't. I guess appreciate, I don't know what the word is, but you, you seem to have taken to America quite well. And as a fellow American, I, I'm very happy to have you on board with us now. Thank you very yeah, much. I appreciate yes, it. I, I, appreciate I agree it, as know. well. And, and the, oh, your determination you. to get in there. You know, it, it's, um, you know, um, uh, the, the United States gave me, gave me a new life, gave me a new opportunity that I did not have and, I, and almost just did not have, you know what I mean? So there is, there is, I mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm forever grateful, you know what I mean? And, and, and I will, you know, and even though sometimes, you know, living in the States, you sometimes get complacent. I joke, like, you know, and, and, and I, and I catch myself and I, and I talk to myself and they're like, I don't, I have nothing to complain about here. You know what I mean? I, I you know, cause I knew where I came from and I, and, and I knew all these things. So, you know, I'm, I'm forever grateful. And, and, and like I said, man, like just, just the story of us even getting here again, I lost my brother in the process of trying to move to the United States, mm -hmm. you know, my baby brother. Right. So, and that was, uh, it, that was really the, 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 uh, the turning point of our lives, you know, and, and some of my family were like my mother, she's never, she's, she was never the same after that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it, it, so, yeah, so just just coming here after all of that, um, you know, it's 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 you know, it's incredible, and, and I'm forever grateful. Um, like I said, we lost a lot of people in the process, just trying just trying to make it out here. Mm. Um, so again, I have nothing to complain about, and um, and it, it, if if there's any any lesson that, that Iraq taught me, just living there for 18 years was, you know, what I mean, it's adaptability, man. You know what I mean? It, it, to me, because it, it, because things just kept changing all the time. And if you don't adapt to what's going on and, and you know, and just kind of you, you're getting it left behind, you're going to get lost. Um, you know what I mean? So, so you just keep in just life, just life moves on, life continues. You just kind of keep going. You know what I mean? What, John and I, were, we talk offline a lot about how when I talk to somebody like you and what you went through growing up, 
my complaints, like average, seem like, all right, shut your mouth. You know, everything is fine. You, you're overreacting on stuff. So it, it's amazing. I mean, and some might say, John, that Noah used guts and grit I, to uh, oh. to make it through his time in Iraq to get over here. That's that's what mm -hmm. we like to throw into every show. So. Guys, we're getting a little bit towards the end, but Johnny, I, I don't know if you wanted to end us with anything. One last question. Would you two ever serve together now? Are you in different units, or how would that work? We're in well, different units. I'll give my two, my two cents. Is the opportunity a reality that we could serve together? Yes. Okay. What is the likelihood? Not sure. It would all depend on whether or not if we were both uh, available to volunteer on the same type of operational deployment. Gotcha. Or if, say, you know, like I'm working here at Fort Benning and, and uh, Noah wants to put in for a job to come up here to be an instructor, you know, teaching Pathfinder, aerosol, and he wants to go to Ranger School, well, I'll get my hands on him up here and we can train and, and hang out and, and do soldier stuff up here. Um, so there is the opportunity in reality. Um, but as of right now, we're in two separate units. You got anything, Jamil? Uh, no, yeah. I, I mean, just, just to kind of, uh, reiterate what John said. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say it's impossible for me and John to to be in the same place again. Um, and 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 honestly, like I said, I mean, if I if I would want to go out of my way to volunteer to go somewhere else, and you know, it, it would probably be with someone like John. You know what I mean? It's it, uh, I would one hundred percent serve under him, you know, without a doubt. Um, but yeah, but currently in different units. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I moved out of the conventional realm and I went to the special operations community. I, I've been in there for. So, well, since 2019, you know, so a couple of years and I, this is my first deployment with them and, and I like it so far. So I'm going to continue that and just kind of see, you know, where, where the army, when my career takes me after that. And who knows, again, the army, the army is a small world. And, and, and it, you, you meet a lot of people after so many years, like, man, I, I remember you from this and this and that. So, yeah. Well, this is just a little sidebar. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, Mark already knows. But for the both of you, so my husband uh, did two tours in Iraq. Uh, 2003, the first surge. And I think, John, he was there when you were there in 2005. Okay. He was, he was a Marine, though. Yes, he's yeah. a Marine. He was a Marine, so he didn't serve with, with you, but I'm, or me, maybe. Oh, been, actually, yeah, you guys all work area. together, yeah, John, yeah. when you're over there, don't you? So on, on the 2005 deployment, I was with the Mississippi Army National Guard, the same unit uh, <laughs> Noah and myself were served in uh, very recently. Um, I was with the 155 BCT out of Mississippi Army National Guard, and they were they were part of Second Marine Expeditionary Force. So we were partnered up with the Marines while for our tour in Iraq. Okay, so you could have been with that uh, the town you mentioned earlier. He mentions that as well. Um, Iskenderia or Husayib? Yes. Iskenderia. Yes. So the Marines had occupied Iskenderia prior to us, and we came in, and uh, they pushed up towards Ramadi once we came in. Okay, well that's interesting. He may have well have been around that time. <laughs> Excellent. Well. <laughs> I just want to say something because, Mark, I know in our early episodes I had said, uh, and probably unknowing, maybe maybe we did have this small talk, Noah, that I spent several years after I got out of the Marine Corps living with a Lebanese family, yes. the Malou family in, in Boston. And uh, they, they kept telling me my name in, in Arabic was Yahmag. Yahmag? <laughs> <laughs> what was it again, John? That, that, that is not true. <laughs> <laughs> something tells me that means something that I don't want to know. No. So I am not going to push that any further. But I want to thank you so, so much. Today we had Noah Jamil. Noah is now in the U.S. Army. He grew up in Iraq, and he is now a proud American. And Noah, we can't, A, thank you for coming on here and telling your story. I know it's obviously not a huge 
you know, I'm sure it's not something you want to constantly relive, but I'm sure talking about it, I hope, helped you a ton. We can't appreciate your service to our country and just what a good guy you are. Yes, no, uh, I can't you. thank you enough. For those of you watching, check us out on YouTube and subscribe. We're on Facebook and Podbean and all of your podcasting um, apps, wherever you want to do it. Spotify, Pandora, Alexa. I don't know what I'm forgetting, but we're on all of yeah. those. Once again, we are the Guts and Grit podcast, and today was Noah Jamil. Noah, again, thanks so much. Johnny, you want to take us out with our saying? Sure will. So, Noah, I know you know this about me. You know I like to train, right? I'm yes, at the gym, right. costly, trying to, trying to stay right. strong, right? I'm so, trying to catch up with you, John. Yeah, I'm trying, keep, I'm trying to stay so I can keep meeting you guys. Right? <laughs> so the thing I say it all the time, Noah, you might have heard me when I was the company first sergeant over at Alf Company, is you know the backing of why we do any of the training we do, what our motivation is. Our motivation is trained to be hard to kill. Correct. They're going to come and try and take your life, make them work for it. Correct. <laughs> all right, boys, training me hard to kill. We'll see you all next week. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, John, as always. Later, everybody. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Appreciate it. Thank Take you care. very much. Thanks. Guts and Grit. Like, subscribe, comment, share.